Hi, my name is Catherine. The Old Testament reading is found in Exodus 20, 1 through 2, and verse 7. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were no or of no significance. The, word, the Lord, Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Adrian, and the New Testament reading is found in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and by becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Larissa. If you are able, please stand for the gospel reading found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing as we pray. So, Father God, as we approach your most holy word, we ask, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that understand that today your word would be the living word truly in us, to us, and change us, God, and your presence to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Staying nice and cool? Welcome today, my name is Evan Riedel. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown, and it's a joy to be here, and especially to be able to preach on Father's Day, uh, a day that we celebrate, well, our earthly fathers, and I think, as Jason said, um, our Heavenly Father in particular. We have been in a series that, that we started two weeks ago, and Pastor Jason has taken the bulk of it throughout this summer, and I just wanted to give a shout out, because so far, he is doing a stellar job. He's not sitting right here, though, but... <laughs> Well done, Jason, wherever you are. Um, and I get to take this third week. We're going through the Ten Commandments, uh, or more particularly the Ten Words that were spoken uh, by God uh, to Moses, to the Israelites at the mountain. And we uh, are in the third week, so I take the third word this week. So just a brief summary of what we've gone through so far, um, an overall idea of what the Ten Commandments are. Number one, they are grounded in God's gracious deliverance. There's this, the first verse of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 starts with the God who brought you up out of Egypt. There is a deliverance, there's a relationship, there's a power that he's already exerted and a favor towards his people. It's, and, and these words, are, they come from that relationship previously established. Number two, they're intended to protect this freedom. This freedom that God brings in our lives and brings us out and delivers us, they then say, now walk in this way that you might continue and be protected in this freedom. And number three, they reveal God's character and our calling. So a brief summary of the first couple of weeks, Jason said the first word, you must have no other gods before me 
And, and this, the short of it is God devotes himself to his people and he longs for his people to devote themselves to him. The second word, do not make an idol for yourself. So even an idol of Yahweh because Yahweh can't be confined, he can't be controlled, and he can't be silenced. And this brings us to the third word, which is do not use the Lord your God's name in vain as if it was not significant. So in studying this week, I kept on having this, this phrase rattle around my brain. And don't put the slide up yet, but um, I just want to, this is like a quick pop quiz for all of you guys from your literature class back in high school. What's in a name? What is that from? Does anybody know? Yeah, okay, you guys are better than me. So, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, what's in a name? It kept on rattling around in my head because that's the main question that we're getting at. When God says, do not use my name in vain, I kept on thinking, well, what's in a name? And for Romeo and Juliet, the full, the full te- context of it, you guys will recognize the next part. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And this is Juliet saying it to Romeo, and the, fa- the two families are in a feud, and it's their last names that they're hinging on. They're saying, and she's going, well, why does it matter? What's in a name? What matters more so is this. It's us. It's the substance of our love. It's this relationship. Re- disregard the names. This is what matters. And I think sometimes we end up humorously or unhumorously uh, kind of falling in line with that, too. It's something that we take in this verse and it's something that we say, well, what's in a name? And we minimize this verse down to, well, don't swear, right? How many of you have ever been corrected? Even saying, oh my gosh. <laughs> There's certain families I hang out with. Oh my gosh, don't say, oh my gosh. There was a seven-year-old, like a week ago, I was hanging out with them and I just, it happened to come out, oh my gosh. It was gosh, I kid you not, not the other one, gosh. And this little seven-year-old looks up at me, don't say gosh. Yes, got it. So, thank you, thank you. Oh my goodness, is that better? Um, But it's this idea of what you're doing is you're taking the Lord's name at that moment, and you're misusing it somehow. And what's in the name? And what I want to ask is, is this really what the verse is getting at? When we're being told, don't take the Lord's name in vain, contextually, is it about swearing? Is it about using it falsely like these stories happen? Or is it something more? And I think to get at that something more, we have to really refresh our take on what this verse is really saying. So I'm going to read it and then tell you guys a little story, and then we'll dive in um, just kind of parsing together. Do not use the Lord your God's name. So in your Bibles, if you have it open in Exodus 20, Lord is going to be all capitalized, L-O-R-D, which the translators are throwing us a favor, and they're cluing us into, this is the given name that God has given to his people earlier in Exodus, Yahweh. Do not use Yahweh God's name as if it were of no significance or consequence. Yahweh won't forgive anyone who uses his name this way. Why? What's in a name? What does it matter? Is the name what matters or is the substance like kind of what Juliet is asking? Is that what matters more? In scriptures, to take the name of God is to represent the character of God. And that's a lot about what these 10 commandments are. I have delivered you out of whatever the situation is, and I'm giving you my name, Yahweh. And now live in this way as though to represent me. And so in scriptures, to take this name is to represent. Uh, Contextual example, it is Father's Day. My father passed away, it's been eight and a half years ago now. 
Um, but he's an amazing dad, and I, he, you never knew, like, he had this amazing beard, and he had awesome tattoos, and he was just like me, right? Um, <laughs> and he rode motorcycles, and he lived on the edge a little bit, but he was one of the most fatherly, caretaking people ever. He was constantly having people over for meals. He was constantly pursuing young guys that were maybe just kind of wandering or, or trying to wrestle and figure out just adult life and just taking them under his wing. And we were no exception to that. Um, so there was this time when we were young, this was, would have been in middle school or so for me, where my dad worked for uh, a gentleman in a financial operation. And, and that guy, he owned a number of things in town. He owned businesses, complexes, rental properties, uh, and he owned a couple of apartment rental things too. And so my brother and I, through my dad, got a job um, every now and then cleaning office buildings or cleaning apartment, like public spaces, hallways and stuff. Uh, and as a middle school thing, I, I don't, it wasn't maybe necessarily what we wanted to do, but it was a job and it was an opportunity to make some money. And my dad was like, this is what we're doing. We're going for it. I'm teaching you guys like work ethic. All right. Anybody have dads like that? You're like, you're going to work. Yeah. All right. So we go to this one apartment complex. And again, I, my brother's a couple years older than me. Um, and, and we're at this complex and it's not very nice. It's, it's not in a nice area of town. It's not a very nice complex and we're doing this manual cleaning labor for it. And as a middle schooler, we, were, we did not have pride in our work at this point, and it showed. And my dad, you know, he encouraged us along through the you know, couple hours of work that we were doing. Uh, and then we were walking to the car, just my brother and I in the spirit of just kind of disgruntled that we had to do this work at this not nice place, and like, oh, I can't believe we had to do this. And my dad, we were walking to the car, and this my brother and I next to each other, and he was a couple steps behind us. And you know those moments with your parents that you can kind of feel them, like, fuming a little bit? Like, like have you ever felt that? Do you, are you having repercussions of feelings right now? Yeah. Uh, so we're walking to the car, and he comes up, and as, right before we get to the car, I asked my brother if he remembered the story, and he didn't. But I remember it very clearly. Uh, this is why. Because he comes up right before we get to the car, and very lovingly, very graciously, with the forehand of both of his hands, just bam, on the back of our heads. Nice love tap. <laughs> and before he lets us get in the car, he lets us know that that is not what he expects from us. I just remember this, if you boys ever work like that again, I don't remember what else he said, but I remember that part. If you ever work like that again, and it was this imposed fatherly care of saying, you take pride in your work. You work hard. You, you show up and you care and it doesn't matter and nothing's beneath you. And it was this idea of him as a dad, but our dad. So he's a read-all and we're read-all boys. And he got us this job and he's there with us on this job and he's teaching us work that good. And he's saying, you represent me when you're doing this. When you're working, you're representing me. And what you just did was not what I am expecting from a representation of my name. And very lovingly, he corrected us. And I still feel it. And we got in the car, and we drove home in silence the whole time. But I still remember this. Like, no one's below you. No job is too low for you. You work hard. You serve well. And 
there was this notion that when we were working, we were representing our family. We were representing dad. We were representing this idea of our, our family name. And I've heard other families, too, say, well, why do we do what we do? Well, it's because of your, your family name. Jason, why do you wrestle? Because you're a Jackson. Jackson's wrestle. All right. Evan, why do you work hard? Because you're a Riedel, and Riedels work hard. And it was ingrained in us from a young age that the name that we carry, it's not just a name. What is in the name? The name is a representation of the character of the family which we are a part of. And that's a close example of what, what is coming to us in this verse, that what is in a name? When we look at the verse again and break it down a little bit more, because a lot of us have probably heard, don't take God's name in vain. But we've heard it so many times, and it's been so connected with the idea of just swearing or something along those lines, that we need a little refresher course. The idea of to take, you shall not take, is a literal idea in translation of carrying or lifting up. We lift up God's name in praise. We carry whatever it is. And so just keep that in mind. Carry, lift up, raise to take. So I'm taking it, but it's a little like this right here. It's a literal example of I am taking it, I am carrying it, I am picking it up and carrying it with me. I'm taking this with me. So when we take the Lord's name, we are picking it up on ourselves and we're taking it with us. The name of the Lord, the name, idea of name is associated with the standing, the reputation of. The Lord is Yahweh and vanity, vain, is worthless, futile, inconsequential. So a different just kind of fuller translation, just to refresh ourselves to what's being said here. Do not take and carry the name, the standing, and the reputation of Yahweh inconsequentially, worthlessly, or in futility. Do not carry his standing and reputation as though it has no consequence or as if though it's worthless. And we start getting to the deeper meaning of it. It's not just don't use the actual word, what's in a name, don't use that part. But what's behind the name? What's in the name? Oh, so much more. Uh, it's wedding season here um, at New Life Downtown. Well, I feel like it's been wedding season for a year because of all the young adults here in this room. But we've, uh, we've already officiated like 10 weddings this year and it's going to double by the end of the year and it's an amazing thing. But if you want to keep that up there, uh, a, a kind of a current idea of, well, how do we take a name? Weddings are an amazing idea for that. To say that when you, two people get married, what vows they make to each other are, do you take this bride, do you take this groom to be your husband? Basically, do you lift it up and carry it up? And then one step further in, in culture, in most, most couples that we interact with, the bride ends up taking the groom's name. So when you say, do you take this man to be your husband? You're not just saying, oh yeah, he's my husband and he's over there. But it's this full on, I am picking up and putting on his name as my last name and I am carrying that with me. And my family is part of it, and his family is part of it, but in name, I am now representing that fuller, that fuller family now. Um, the Old Testament, this is exactly what's happening, because what happens in Exodus up to this point is God delivers them, Exodus 6. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I didn't reveal myself to them by name. This is Yahweh, or Lord. Therefore... Say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh. 
I'll bring you up out of Egypt in forced labor. I'll rescue you from your slavery to them. I'll set you free with great power and moments of, uh, momentous events of justice. I'll take you as my people, and I'll be your God. So far, I have not given them my name. And what he does is he raises up his power and he shows them his deliverance and he puts his name on his people. You are the people of Yahweh. What's in a name? The very character of God is what he's saying. I'm gonna show you who I am and I'm gonna give you my name. As Christians, this is something that we, some, we have a, too much of a divide between the Old and New Testament. Okay, so that was Old Testament. We don't really carry around that name. But this is exactly what we do in, in the New Testament church as well. Because what God does is, is reveals himself and his character and his name, personal, and puts it on his people. So in the Old Testament, it's the deliverance, it's Exodus. I'm going to deliver you, you're my people, and I'm going to put my name on you, Yahweh, my personal name for you. It's the same thing that happens in the person of Jesus. Jesus comes, God shows us who he is, his character divine, incarnate in flesh. He lives and he reveals the character and the power and the deliverance of God. And he gives us his personal name. And at this point, it's Jesus. Well, when do we take this name, though? That's why, if, if you, if, during our gospel reading, it's Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you. Matthew is a huge parallel. The entire book is structured to parallel the Old Testament, the law, the giving of the law, the grace of the law. And it ends with this. Go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we might not have thought about it like this to this point, but when you were baptized, if when the preacher or whoever it was was baptizing you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, What they're doing is they're saying, now this person, this character of God that you are now saying, I believe in you, I will walk in your ways, I witness that you are Lord, you take his name on into the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So now that name is upon you, and you too take it. That's why we're called Christians. The name of Christ, Jesus, is on us. God reveals his character, and his people receive his name. This is his repeated act. And then that name, his people receive it to represent his character to the world. These are the two movements that happen within God revealing himself and his deliverance and his salvation with a personal name that then is put onto his people. That he does that and then he gives that name because of that character already revealed so that the people who bear it could then go and represent it to the rest of the world. You, us believers, are called to represent the name of of Jesus, the name of God to the world and the character within that. So if we look back and we say, what is in a name? If it's Jesus, if it's Yahweh, what's in a name is pretty much everything for God. In Jesus, he shows us his character and entrusts us with his name. Entrusts us with his name. And two, we take his name rightly when we represent his character correctly. So if we're looking at the command that says, do not take my name in vain, well, how do we avoid that negative? By going to the positive. By taking the name of Jesus and then representing his character correctly to the world. 
representing his word correctly to the world. Mr. Sessions, if I may, when we take the word of God as information and know it without representing the character of God, we take his name in vain. If we... (laughs) If we use the information that we know, because we've continually been at church and listened to the sermons and studied the word, but we do not have the character of God seeping and oozing out of us, that when we speak, what we do is we end up misrepresenting the character of the one who revealed it in the first place. What God is saying is, I'm going to show you, and he always shows us his character, and then he gives us this name. I'm going to show myself as your deliverer, and I'm going to give you my name. It's Yahweh. Now go and represent that name because you are representing who I am. And in both in word and in deed, this is our call. How do we represent, how do we not take his name in vain? By representing his character correctly to the world. The third point I want to make is then how, how do we do this? I want to suggest that we cultivate his character from those who already have it. If we are continually, it's, it's this tension between information and intimacy. We are often not affected by information, but often the most intimate relationships we have end up changing us, right? And if we are continually spending so much time in, in not in prayer, in, in just Bible studies and in the collection of information and reading theology and, and, and those sorts of things, we're going to continue to build up in the amount of information that we have. Knowledge puffing us up. But when it comes time to actually taking that that we know and imparting it and representing God without intimacy with the Father himself, with the Son, with the Spirit, with God triune, we will not be affected by his character and we therefore cannot represent his character correctly to those in the world. Beloved, we need to spend time with this pocket liturgy. This is a beautiful thing to say, Lord, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause in the morning before my day really starts. I'm going to go and I'm going to work and I'm going to pause at midday. And I'm going to take a time just to be still and remember your presence. You're around me. You're working. You're here. You're in the people around me. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. You've never met a mere mortal. I'm surrounded by immortality because of the way of the human spirit. And at the end of the day, I'm going to pause and reflect. And it's this opportunity not to gain more knowledge. Okay, I'm going to study more. I'm going to plow through these books. But it's to say, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest and reflect and interact with the character of God. So that his love and his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, you know where I'm going, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control, his long-suffering, the way that he prioritizes family, Jesus saying, let the children come to me. The character of God, I'm going to dwell in it and I'm going to be affected by it and I'm going to change because of it. I'm going to cultivate the character that because I'm already taking the name of Christian, that I would take it and carry it with me and represent him well to the world. It's the same way, not just with God. That's the primary, because he is the one who is that characteristic. But I want to encourage us on Father's Day that it's also by being around those who are godly. Not just cultivating character from God, but cultivating it from those who are godly. It's Paul talking, Timothy, you've had 
many teachers, but not many fathers. Surely I am one to you. And this idea of who in your life is challenging you, is encouraging you, is building you up to say, continue, continue in the ways of godliness. Continue to be loving, continue to be gracious, continue to forgive. Not as the world does, but as God does. Continue to cultivate that character. Why? Because when we do, we carry the name of God correctly. And we can look at that verse and say, do not take, do not lift up and carry the name of Yahweh your God in vanity as though it was pointless. For surely those who do so will be judged. And it's saying, the name that we are representing, is it in line with the character of the one whom we represent? And we come to this table again today. And we come a yet again face to face person to person with the character of God. This is why we practice it every week. God, I want to come back in proximity with your forgiveness, with your graciousness, with your patience and long suffering, with your joy. This is the Eucharist, the celebration meal, with your joy and salvation. I want to come again and experience all of who you are. And we get to encounter that again at the table. And what that does is it continues to cultivate in us If you've forgiven me, I can go and represent you to the world and forgive those. If you are patient with me, let me be affected by that, that I can go and be patient with others around me. If you love me this much that you've gone to the cross for my salvation and put your name on me, given us your personal name, Jesus Christ, and we are Christians, then I can go and represent such a love to my neighbors, to my classmates, to my workmates, to my family members who are maybe just a pain, we can go and represent the character of God that is summed up in the name of God. Let us come to this table and take a moment just to reflect.